right, welcome back. This will be our penultimate side quest on Majora's Mask. Joining me, Ben Kozlowski, and this is Wesley Schantz. How are you doing, Ben? I'm all right. How are you? Doing okay. We are again without Alex. He's been moving and shaking over in his neck of the woods down in California. Um, are you still over in Jersey? Or are you on vacation somewhere? Nope, still in Jersey. Uh, it's vacation enough just hanging out in the apartment, reading and writing. Right on. Yes, I feel the same. So uh, thanks for joining me. I know it's a little late there, but this might be a, I don't know, I thought it was going to be a slightly shorter episode since we're kind of just in a dungeon. But um, as you point out, there's a lot there. So we we're planning this time to talk about the uh, Stone Tower and uh, some of its secrets and, and dark history. Um, but I guess first we've got to go through the, the rest of the well and the castle too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so in the well, I got to say that took me a lot longer than I expected. Even though I know it's kind of a long process to go through, I think I must have made some wrong turns or something because it was like multiple days and nights that I was in that place um, mm-hmm. running back and forth. Um, I think part of it was I forgot how to get the cow to give me the milk. Oh, yeah. I thought that uh, surely it was one of the masks that did that. And then I was thinking about it more and I realized it was a song, right? You have to use mm-hmm. the the Romani's uh, or the Epona's song, rather. Um, yeah, that's a mainstay from both of the N64 Zelda games that you play the Epona's song and... And you always get a little bit of dialogue from the cow when you do that. And it says that it reminds me of the ranch and then it'll give you milk, um, which is always helpful. I was so, I was so, yeah, so miffed, I guess that I I was wearing the stupid cow hat and the cow wouldn't talk to me. (laughs) I tried wearing the mask of truth and the cow wouldn't talk to me. Um, But yeah, it's just a, I guess the music moves it. I think that's one of the puns that it it does sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that that whole well sequence is so um, disconcerting in a way because it makes me think about like, you know, if you just strip the game down to its like basic form, that's kind of what you're up to is like going through a, a sort of fetch quest, you know, you got to get this thing so that you can open that door, um, you know, to proceed through the game. Um, and it's just, I mean... It's, it's really depressing down there. I, I don't like that part of the game. And it's not just because it's sort of tedious. It, it also yeah. sort of makes me feel like I'm really wasting my time down here. I got to get out of this place. Yeah. And I think, I mean, on some level, I suspect that that's deliberate. Yeah. I mean, as much as I'm always reluctant to apologize for video gamers or video game developers creating legitimately not fun experiences, <laughs> um, this is... This seems to me to be sort of like at the heart of what's going on in Akana. Like you have this literal underclass of individuals who all need stuff in this like labyrinthine dark place. (laughs) Um, And, you know, all of all the different factions you run into in Akana, they all have their own sort of thing going. Like you've got the skeletons hanging out at the graveyard and there's this whole like military dispatch to an outpost feel about the entire experience. You've got, um, 
three dead wandering over the plains. They all disappear when the music starts playing and you get the sense that they're very out of place, that they're not supposed to be there. And then you find this whole city underground full of these undead monsters who are basically just engaged in this elaborate barter system, like, like you pointed out. And, and it does sort of deconstruct the whole Zelda formula in that way. Like you've been doing fetch quests the whole game, whether you know it or not, like bring hookshot to Druda fortress doesn't <laughs> sound like a fetch quest, but it really is. Yeah. Um, and this is just stripped of all of the charm that Zelda has had to this point. It turns it into this very routine, very ugly, very bare bones experience. Um, and then to cap it all off, the big prize you get for completing it is the mirror shield, yeah. which is itself sort of symbolic. Um, like you, the mirror shield in, in Ocarina of Time is actually a really neat looking piece of equipment. Like it's got the red outline and it's got the, the moon and star pattern in the original and the, like the Deku pattern and the, the remake and the later versions. Um, it's, it's really flashy. It does some cool stuff and it just looks neat. But this one has like a screaming face on it. Um, it looks like the moon to me in a weird way. Yeah. Um, it's it's round. It has the open mouth. Like it's also disconcerting. The, the part of that, like it, it looks like something, you know, that your face does whenever you put on a mask for the first time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that sort of look of horror and, and suffering. It, it also, yeah, is like the moon in that it reflects light, you know? Um, so th- there's something pretty disturbing about that. Um, but I think also, to me, at least, it its mechanics are, are just some of the most um, finicky in the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, to get it to properly, uh, you know, reflect the light just so as to, you know, hit the block or, or whatever it needs to hit um, mm-hmm. always gives me a lot more grief than doing practically anything else. I mean, most of that game is so smooth and so elegant and mm-hmm. it just sort of becomes automatic. But that has never been um, something that I have quite got got a handle on and and maybe it's just you know there's something about the shield um that you you know you just you it's never as fun as using the sword or the bow or any of those kind of weapons uh and and items and things um but this time i swear it took like you know many full minutes of, of trying to like direct the beam of light just so at the big block so that i could enter the castle in the first place like i was about to ready to just give up at that point um it, it was it was so tedious. Um, yeah, so you, yeah, like you say, you get out of the well only to then have this other castle, which it turns out is not the dungeon either. <laughs> right. It's all and, preparation. Um, uh, but this, okay, so there's something, I think in this game um, that is definitely echoing from A Link to the Past where, uh, where you have to do the same sort of thing like um, bomb open a hole to allow light to filter down through. Um, but, uh, but this, yeah, this uh, castle has that extra layer of, um, of ridiculousness where the, the bomb that you use has got to be uh, a Goron, right? A big bomb. Uh, yep. It can't be just a regular little. <laughs> so you, gotta, you gotta leave the entire, right? You leave that entire area, go back and get one of the kegs and come back with it. Um, 
it's yeah that that was just like the icing on the cake for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it kind of takes you out a lot um insofar as every time you think you've made it to the dungeon you were wrong (laughs) i mean we talked a little bit last week about how it fakes you out with the masks how you know there's a pattern that you observe leading up to akana where you know, you, you get some key items that allow you to maneuver through the space much more efficiently. Then you get the mask and the mask like allows you to interact with all the characters in new and interesting ways and allows you to interact with the world in new and interesting ways. And then you go to the dungeon, you beat the dungeon and hooray, you've saved the area. But in Akana, <laughs> you don't get a mask. You don't get a key item besides the mirror shield, which does allow you to navigate a little bit more efficiently it allows you to open up that shortcut into the castle um but it's still i mean every time you think you've made it to the dungeon that you've done everything that you need to do it's just another fake out um so you know you do the graveyard thing and then you open up this whole new area and you go to that new area and there are all these little side quests and details and things you need to do before you can even go down the well and actually do anything down there and then you finally get down the well and you complete this long tedious like deliberately slowing side quest only to come up with yet another area yet another group of people yet another set of things to do um yeah, and, and you get you get from this um, encounter with the king finally, right? You you mm-hmm. have to right not only bomb out so that the light filters down um, in that other room, but then in his room you've got to uh, you know burn down the curtains because he mm-hmm. closes out the lights. Like obviously you need the light, but then he shuts it away. So like, what are you going to do? Um, that's that's tricky. And like fighting his little cronies to get them to actually stop being revived is is it takes some doing you yeah. know that, that's one of the tougher mini bosses i think um and and his whole you know his whole gift is this this song which is um pretty underwhelming you know it's like mm-hmm. it definitely it adds a component of complexity which is interesting um but it's not again it's not fun it's not yeah. like that's that sort of exhilarating feeling of getting to do a new thing in the world. It's, it's really quite the contrary. It's, it's this stillness, this uh, uh, like forced reflexiveness that you probably don't want um, at this stage in the game. It, it's, it's very odd. And uh, I think that's actually a pretty dominant theme in this area, this forced reflexiveness, this sort of requirement to slow down. Yeah. Because um, I mean, like we just said, that's what you have to do in the well. And then as, as if it was not enough, your gift is a mirror. Um, (laughs) And then you go into the castle and you have these fights and you beat the King and it's pointless. Like the King himself recognizes that this entire ordeal is absurd and nonsensical. And that Mm. it's the product of all this infighting that has divided these factions for so much time. Um, he explicitly says it's because we can't trust each other that we have these problems. Um, so where so much of this game and so much of the Zelda franchise in general has been about you saving the day, you fighting the big bad and you know saving the world from the evil that is from the outside coming in, in this section of Majora's Mask, it's very clear that this evil is internal. 
um, they are responsible for it in some sense. Like, yes, the moon getting ready to crash, that's bad and needs to be stopped. But the Akana King is resigned. Um, he, he knows that they have brought this upon themselves. Um, and again, it encourages us to reflect. Um, and again, it encourages us to shed light where there is darkness. Um, the symbolism here is very powerful that, you know, here are, is this culture that has resided in sort of anachronistic, um, like obsolescence for who even knows how long, cause they're all undead. So it's not like you know, they've, they've got a clock that they're working on. Um, and things have gotten old, things have gotten dusty, things have gotten dark, things have been mislaid, and it's up to you to sort of shed light, to bring newness into the situation, to fix things by letting everyone look at themselves. Um, and then as though that weren't existential enough, the song he gives you is the elegy of emptiness. Right. It produces you know, these empty shells of your various masked forms. Um, so, you know, it kind of works like what the, the one staff in A Link to the Past where it just produces blocks and, you know, you can use it to weigh down switches. Um, but in this case, you get four blocks. You get your one for every one of the masks um, and maskless Link. Uh, and in each case, it just produces an empty shell of that person. And he says... Um, he once again likens this to a military operation. He's like, well, Stone Tower, many have tried to capture it. Many have tried to conquer it and all have failed. Um, so there's no way you can do it alone. You have to go in with an army, but the army that you get is a soulless one, one that you can produce, but one that is empty and like existentially non-viable, um, which is again, disconcerting. Um, so, like, Ikana has always given me the chills. Like, every one of these steps, every one of these, quote, gifts is both a gift and a curse in its own right, I think. Um, it requires you to slow down, to think about what you're doing, and to question um, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah, I like about, you know, holding up the mirror. I mean, that's pretty pretty in your face. And and so in the in the actual temple when you manage to get up there eventually um moving those those creepy uh blocks around you know they hang in the middle of the air and they have faces on them again um you eventually get up there and and so you do get a treasure eventually of the the arrows of light which is another you know classic zelda item um in this case it's i think prepared for by having you do some things with with light before that point um, and so you finally sort of get untethered from having to um, use the mirror shield for, for all of those kinds of uh, events. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess the, the sort of topsy-turviness that ensues is, is a mirror in another way, right? It's like um, a mirror image of the place, uh, whereas before you're sort of giving this kind of reflective quality to um, people and and maybe yourself right now now it's ex it's expanded to be like cosmic right the the entire world there is literally turned upside down because of this power that you you unleash from from within the dungeon um 
and you know you and your your army of emptiness well you know the silent hero thing has has suggested all along that there's a kind of quality of emptiness to link right as a hero mm -hmm. um he you know is just kind of this uh template i guess that you you can um apply in all these different you know environments as needed to to proceed um but there you know there's there's something about that that light arrow uh where in earlier games it's it's the silver arrow and it's the thing that you need to to complete the quest and defeat ganon right in this game it's it's more um of a tool up for up front at least which which turns over the uh this long and you know confusing dungeon and then just like doubles it and <laughs> makes yeah. you have to go through it at least one more time um, to find your way to the end of it. Uh, so, so this thing which, you know, should be the end of the game is actually like, you know, flipping it over and, and making you do it again. <laughs> yeah. Again, reevaluating, like you said, like just as we're reflecting with the mirror shield, you get this mirror image of the temple itself yeah and and so in this in this temple i mean i i kind of lose my my way um at least a few times um part of it is that i know at some point i'm going to need to uh do the whole thing again mm -hmm. right and so it's sort of like i feel like it's a little bit futile um to to try to get to every part of the temple um that might have been part of why it took me so long um but in this one it's also the uh the fairies the stray fairies are like really tricky to find um and then when you get them all the the prize that you get is actually pretty disappointing i, I feel like anyway mm. uh it's it's this giant sword right and uh you know again that's sort of like classic um from the ocarina of time getting the big goron sword uh, but this giant sword is actually uh, one of your sea items, you know, mm -hmm. so it's it's sort of strange like it's it doesn't feel quite the same as an accomplishment. Um, it feels just sort of like this extra thing that's thrown in there. Uh, and it's just kind of, I don't know, um, uh, arbitrary in a way. <laughs> like, I don't think it, I might be wrong, but I don't think there's anything in particular that you need that sword for um as far as like opening up a new part of the world or or you know accessing some bit of story that you wouldn't otherwise have gotten to it's isn't it just sort of one more thing to to find pretty much i mean <laughs> it's got the same sort of power balance as you get with the bigoron sword in in ocarina of time where like uh the master sword is uh, twice as powerful as your little Kokiri sword, but then the, the Bigaron sword is twice as powerful as the Master Sword. Uh -huh. um, but the thing is, like, that's not as impressive in this game because, you know, when you get the Gilded Sword, which is, you know, the, when you get the gold dust and you, like, forge it with the sword and it makes your sword four times as powerful as your original hero's sword, yeah. um, the Great Fairy Sword being more powerful than that really doesn't feel like much like yeah you get the, there aren't that many enemies that can stand up to the gilded sword as it is right it's a really powerful weapon uh, i mean sure a couple of boss fights maybe but that's it 
And then the fact that it does, unlike the Vigoron sword, take up one of your C item slots. It's just like, why? Why would you use this? I mean, I think in, in the entire history of me playing through Majora's Mask as often as I have, um, I've used it only once or twice. Usually when I fight Majora and I just don't want to use the Fierce Deities mask because, you know, gamer pride or whatever. <laughs> uh, but that's it. I mean, losing the shield and a C item slot is a really hard price to pay to do just what is basically marginally more damage than you're doing already. Um, the Gilded Sword really is the better option in this case. Um, so it does feel a little bit like a waste, especially given how tough it is to find all those fairies. I know, like, I know. Uh, you know, the uh, the Great Fairy of the Cove um, or gives you the, uh, you know, the double hearts, basically, mm -hmm. which is like which is incredible. Crazy powerful, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, the other one doubles your magic, I think, right? So, so mm -hmm. those are sort of like extending your your most basic, uh, you know, attributes. Yeah. And like passively, really, it's not something you have to make a deliberate effort to use. Yeah. You're just stronger all the time. Um, yeah. But, so I, wonder, I mean, my, my thought about the great fairy sword was always like, what this really should have been is like the weapon that you can use as the, the fierce deity, you know, mm -hmm. like when you wear that mask, you're unarmed unless you have got this sweet, you know, black lettered sword that has this cool like color it, it's a beautiful little you know oh like, yeah it's way cool but yeah like as the fierce deity you already are like so yeah so like the one enemy you might have used this sword against um you already have this way overpowered thing that you can uh you can deploy at that point and nowhere right. else in the game. but at the same time the fierce deity's mask is really tough to get a hold of like sure. you have to find every other mask in the game to get it um, so on a couple of occasions where I've gone to fight Majora without it, the fears, the, the great fairy sword is useful. Okay. But that is like the one situation. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sort of torn this playthrough, whether I'm going to try to get all the masks or not. I, I just don't know if I've got this, the steam at this point, uh, to, to stick with it. I'll have to, I'll have to make that determination here. Um, but Okay, there's at least one more thing about this this stone tower uh, that that I wanted to bring up, which is the 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 battle at the end. Of course, mm -hmm. I didn't prepare very well. I didn't have any magic potion, uh, oh, okay. and so you know I I was stomping around with my giant mask on, you know, and that was great for a while, uh, but I definitely ran out of magic before killing either of the two. Ooh, uh, <laughs> flying. Yeah, that's not there. ideal. Yeah, so then I was sitting there, you know, getting getting destroyed by them and like very ineffectually firing arrows. Um, I think just by luck, I did get out of the fight in one piece, but uh, it was it was a close call. Um, I, I don't. I wonder what you make of that um, as a as a mechanic um, in this this dungeon, which is already really difficult and like you know confusing, and then the final boss is like particularly tough. Um, yeah. Um... I, I've had the same situation. Like usually, when I'm when I'm on my A game, I manage to get the Chateau Romani in time just to, to to fight them. And you know, if you have the Chateau Romani, it's a breeze. Like you're just stomping around with your giant's mask, whipping these things, no problem. Um, but if in fact you do run out, if if you have no magic, um, you can 
like there there are options it's not over um obviously you can fire your your regular bow but also a lot of the little stone plinths and stuff that are in the area um if you stand around them and lure twin mold to destroy oh. them you'll frequently drop uh magic nice so so there are ways around it um and even when you're when you've got the giant mask and your big stompy boots you can slash them yourself and they'll spit out magic and you can pick them up with the giant's mask and then just keep that train going um but it is like there's always an out uh zelda has always been good at providing alternate solutions in these situations um but i have been reduced to just shooting the bow (laughs) <laughs> it's not pretty, um, but it is doable. But I, I was especially struck, though, because, um, like I mentioned a little earlier, I've been playing the 3DS version of the game. Uh, um, and this is actually one of the most dramatic changes that occurred. Um, they radically changed that whole boss fight. Really? Uh, yeah, instead of... Um, you can't get the giant's mask before you get the boss fight. That's the first and most dramatic change they made. So, like... You know, first I'm doubting myself. I'm like, did I miss the giant's mask? I'm what? running back through the entire dungeon. Um, but then what they do is uh, they force you to take out the first of the two giant twin mold worms with oh, your light arrows. Cool. Yeah, like they they made, they changed up the design of the monster so it has like these big ugly eye things on the underside. You've got to like take out all of the eyes. Um, which they actually lead you up to because each of the bosses has one of those eyes now. And it's like a Majora's Mask eye. So it's, you know, thematically appropriate. Right on. Um, but then after you take out the first one, then it drops a chest in the middle of the arena and that's where the giant's mask is. Um, <laughs> so then you get the giant's mask and everything changes for your fight with the second worm. But it's not like the giant's mask in the original game. Like, that was just literally a transformation. Now you're bigger, so you swing your sword at the worms and that's how you kill them. Um, Now you can't use your sword uh, when you have the giant's mask on. So what you have to do is you have to like, you have to punch the worm. Like (laughs) you have to beat it down, um, which is tough. Like it was time consuming. And I actually like the, the first time I was playing through, I actually went over time and, you know, had the whole apocalyptic cinematic run. Oh, no! Yeah, it was bad. Because um, I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd never done this before. Because um, it was so new. But then, you know, to make matters worse, when you actually do punch up the worm enough and it, like, lies down, it, you do, you're not entirely sure what to do. But apparently you're supposed to, like, grab it by the tail and then, like... Mario versus Bowser style, swing it over your head and then like slap it on the ground, oh um, which which is actually pretty satisfying, all things considered, but still time consuming, which is not what you want when you're up against the buzzer like that. Yeah. Um, so huh. so it was radically changed, um, and I'm not sure I'm not sure why. I mean, some of the decisions in this game were were pretty pretty opaque to me. Uh-huh. Um, as far as like how they changed it. A few made absolute sense. Like they changed the save system. So now when you save at owl statues, those, those will stick around so you can reload from them. Like you don't have to immediately quit playing when you save, um, which is so helpful. And then they added uh, save points in all the dungeons, which is also very helpful. Um, So when I had my apocalyptic whoopsies, I just went back to to the beginning of the Stone Tower Temple as opposed to, oh, now I have to do the whole three days again. That's good. 
yeah so it was it was awesome not to have to do that <laughs> as long as um, the temple's fresh in your mind i'm sure you can move through it pretty quickly actually yeah and that's what it came down to like at that point i already knew all the tricks i knew where the fairies were so i was just blowing through and managed to do it in very good time still got the great fairy sword nice. you know gamer gamer cred re reassigned and reasserted um <laughs> but still like it was it was a big change um just you know the entire way that that boss worked and they had changed the the fish boss to Gyorg. Mm-hmm. um like they did this neat thing where uh after you like beat him up a bit but he's down to something like half health they take that big platform in the center and they lower it and it's not there anymore oh so you can't <laughs> use it so you have to go in as Zora uh, mask. Yeah, but what's neat is that then Gyorg has this move where he'll go in the center where the platform was, and he'll um, he'll start doing like this vacuum move, trying to suck you up. Um, and what you have to do is at the same time as he does the vacuum move, there are like these mines that jump up, and you have to cut the rope, and then he sucks up a mine and explodes. Oh. Um, which I thought was actually pretty cool because the Gyorg fight is kind of annoying as it is um, and not communicated well what you're supposed to do. Um, There's some interesting options like you can, you know, hang out as the Zora at the bottom and like hit him with boomerangs or you can like swim at him and then shock him. You know, you've got a few options, but it's not very well telegraphed. Not like Goat. Goat is wonderful. One of the best boss fights in my opinion. Yeah. but yeah, that one I thought just a distinct improvement. Like, yes, way to way to make that boss fight more interesting, more exciting, more diverse. But not sure where I stand on the changes to Twin Mold. Um, not as big a fan. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of interesting thematically, I guess, because it's like you sort of realize eventually that what's causing these monsters to become, you know, your enemies is that they are wearing masks, right? Like. Yeah. You, you get their mask from them. You don't get to use them, of course, but they're like the thing that you get from beating each of these dungeons. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's kind of interesting to think about like what's going on with a, with a, a boss that is actually two bosses, right? Like are there two masks or, or what? So it's like when you kill one of them that a giant mask should fall down sort of you know, makes some sense um, in, a, in a way that like just randomly finding the giant's mask in the middle of your path in the original game, you know, really doesn't make that much sense. Uh, mm. You know, it, it makes as much sense as finding any of the items really yeah. uh, does. But, but in that case, um, it does, yeah, it sort of adds variety to the fight. I guess there must be a certain amount of like self-referential humor in getting to, you know, fight using Link as if he were Mario, you know, fighting right, yeah. Bowser. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess it's just like towards the end of a game, I imagine that the developers are feeling the time crunch, you know, and like, as they get later in the, in the levels, I, I, I have to assume that like certain amounts of, of elegance get, get left on the cutting room floor, um, in the, in, you know, as they're trying to just get the game ready to launch. Um, I, I can imagine how stressful that must be and so it's it's kind of interesting that you know from the player's perspective those levels of course are harder but also are generally just not quite as much fun there's not as much interesting new stuff that that you get to do 
Um, yes and no. Funnily enough, um, one of the YouTubers I follow, Extra Credits, they actually just did a video on why the end of video games is often lackluster. Ah. Um, and they, they basically made the same case that you did, that um, you know, when, when, you're, when it's crunch time, when you've only got a few more weeks to ship, um, it's time to do the ending and you don't have a lot of time, time to make it great. Um, and they even contended that uh, there's actually some, some push in the commercial side of it um, to not even focus on the ending that, you know, so few players will actually make it to the end of your game that it shouldn't be a priority. Um, as opposed to like the first 10 minutes, which are usually dynamic and awesome and interesting and exciting and really sort of like gives you a taste of what the game has to offer. The ending is often very boring by comparison, but I would make a case that this is one of the exceptional cases. Um, there's a lot of evidence in Akana that every choice here made was deliberate. Sure. Um, so, you know, as much as it's not terribly fun to play, it's not terribly fun to play f- for carefully considered reasons, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and one of the contrasts that I notice is uh, there is, I mean, we touched on it last week, but it's even more evident here. Um, like whenever you're going through a Kana, there is this element of like emptiness and reflection and this sort of existential dread between the mirror shield and the screaming face and the elegy of emptiness and your sort of army of, of sort of unsold soldiers. (laughs) Um, on the other side, like there's a sort of frivolity, a pointless frivolity to it. (laughs) Like, we talked about how um, the skeletons in the graveyard are just literally hanging around for like centuries, not doing anything until you as commander Kita shows up and starts like ordering them to, to open the graves. Um, and we talked a little bit about how like you get that boss fight. And when you're wearing the commander Kita mask, he, the King Akana has that whole freak out moment where he's like, but you're so tiny. Um, <laughs> And even if you walk through the the castle wearing oh, like, yeah. either the Kita mask or the Garo mask or the uh, Redead mask, everyone's dancing. Right. <laughs> like the entire court of Akana is all of these Redeads doing various Russian jigs and little pirouettes and <laughs> all sorts of weird dances. And it's so absurd. Yeah. Um, especially because like the main room, that first, entrance room that you've used the the goron's powder keg to blow up and then the light streams down um it is entirely logical for you to run through that room not even thinking about it with your mirror shield on and it will like kill yeah. all the guys you run past yeah um, just as it's flashing back and forth because like the natural movement of your body causes the reflection of the light to to bounce around if it accidentally hits one of them they just die like one shot done. Um, and it's just this ridiculous contrast uh, that like here they are completely frivolous and wasting their time. And yet this horrible thing is happening all around them and they, and they can't see it. Um, but the stone tower, especially um, like there's so much about that particular location that I find fascinating. Um, and there, there was a write-up years ago now. Uh, you can find it on, online, but one of the fan theories was actually really involved about how Stone Tower and its lore sort of ties into the rest of the game. Hmm. And what this particular uh, writer noticed was 
first, Stone Tower is obscene. Like, yeah. from start to finish, um, you walk in and the entranceway is like this stylized base perched on its own legs and with the tongue coming down and you walk up the tongue into the mouth. But the tongue is also covering up the private parts. Like, oh. there's something just gross about that whole thing. And then those blocks that you mentioned before with the weird faces, they're the same structure. Like they have the face and they have the long tongues and they have the legs and the crotch. But in this case, and this is what the, what um, this writer particularly noticed, um, the Triforce, like the symbol of the gods, is positioned at the crotch. Whoa. Like with the tongue licking it. Um, and unlike so many other places in the Zelda universe where you see the Triforce in like this holy revered place, like as the symbol of the sacred realm, as you know, the, the, like it used to be on all the blocks for the, the blue blocks for the song of time in Ocarina of time. Right. It's one of the few places you actually see the Triforce in this game. And it's in a position of profound dishonor. Um, like, like they're taking a poop on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're moving all these blocks around and you're trying to position them correctly and you're in this tower that is itself, like, designed after some sort of, like, obscene, you know, genitalia. This writer even pointed out that when you go into the, the actual temple, it's another mouth that you have to walk into, but it's flanked on either side by these very phallic-looking towers and a a hand that points one finger up into the sky with the tip of the finger on fire. Yeah. Um, and he even had tracked down videos of like the earliest builds um, of Majora's mask and pointed out that this was always part of the plan. This was no accident. This was not some rando designer, like throwing his weird ideas into the game. This was, this was there from square one. Um, this was always part of the plan. And he hypothesized that this is basically standing in as a type of the Tower of Babel. Um, that here you have this tower built in this place by humans who were very much sticking it to the gods in various ways. Um, with their, you know, finger pointing up at them like they were challenging them with these phalluses pointing up in the sky like they were going to, you know, take the heavens for themselves. Oh. Um, where, you know, the, the Triforce is in this denigrated position, like it is less than, you know, human orgasm, basically. But, <laughs> what's, but what he points out is, then you use the light arrow, and you flip it all upside down. Right. Um, so the central room in the Stone Tower Temple, where you initially fight, like, the head of the Garo Ninja, it's this big, open, rounded vault and it's open to the sky. Like, yeah. it's noticeable because he, he like, he, he, they even pointed out, he jumps from the rim of this, this sort of skylight into the, into the battlefield where you fight him. Um, and that becomes the boss chamber. Uh, but what he, what he pointed out was, here we have the situation where this is, like, the logical next room to construct. Like, it would be the next level of their reaching for the heavens. Mm-hmm. But when you flip it upside down, it's reaching for hell instead. Yeah. Um, and when you actually jump down into it, that's where you go fight Twin Mold, 
you don't see Triforce symbols. Instead, those rocky plinths that you can break to, to make magic, they all have Majora's Mask on them. <laughs> and what's more, when you flip the tower upside down, that initial, the initial statue that you encounter, which again, another mouth, another set of eyes um, that you have to walk through in order to progress through the temple, when you flip it upside down, it also looks like Majora's Mask. Um, it's got the spikes, it's got the big eyes. Um, there's a piece missing, but the piece that's missing also has like this part of a symbol on it, which you can find that symbol throughout the temple whole, so you know that that piece is missing. And it should look like the same distinctive heart shape with the eyes and with the spikes. So what he's suggesting is this was a punishment. Mm -hmm. That the sort of like implicit world that's being implied by the stone tower is that you have this tower of Babel-esque situation, them reaching up towards the heavens with their pride and their dishonor and being punished by the gods symbolized through these arrows of light into opening up hell instead. And he suggests that that's probably where Majora's mask came from. Like, they found it there. The earliest tribes or whoever it is who discovered this mask, they basically went into this nether realm, this dark place, hell itself, found the mask, and then it started to destroy them piece by piece. That's crazy. So that's yeah. the power of Babel theory. I remember you talking about this way back at the start when, when we were just planning out how we are going to tackle this game. Um, and I, I feel like the... Uh, the kind of infinitude, right? Uh, the, what is the word for it? You know, you feel like this this vertigo in, in that whole that whole area outside the temple um, mm -hmm. is kind of like an inverted tower of Babel in some weird way. Um, I I guess the uh, the the notion that the the Majora's masks like origins are you know consisting in some kind of uh, Dis dishonor or something towards uh, the Triforce, that that makes a lot of sense too. Like, there's something about this game where um, it takes a lot of the original, you know, Zelda concepts and and does sort of play with them in in some interesting ways. Um, to the point where the the Triforce itself is only present in this kind of image form, right? And mm -hmm. and so it's it's like it's been. Uh, degraded or you know it's like devalued in some way um that that's and i guess you you see it maybe a little bit too in in that very first sequence where you remember learning the song of time mm -hmm. uh, when zelda she makes her, her kind of one appearance in the game that has you know still got her name as the title right yeah after all yeah so that that is so that's so strange i i never would have put that together um but I, I love the concept uh, of, of a kind of, you know, like religious, um, uh, like, yeah, crime or something that's yeah. at the root of all this. That's, that's really interesting. And it does bring in these layers of sinfulness. I mean, like yeah. we keep touching on with Akana, it's, it's reflection, it's revelation that, you know, they need and that very much left to their own devices, they would destroy themselves with their idleness and their, their pointless dancing and everything that's going on. And as I've stressed throughout our discussions of the game, like unlike Ocarina of Time where Ganon is really the existential threat and that's all there is to it, Termina is torn with factionalism. 
yeah. the Gerudo versus the Zora, the the monkeys versus the Deku, the you know, Ikana and in theory the gods. Yeah. Um, this is a place that is destroying itself. It doesn't need you to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find so so sort of stunning about this process is that when you in fact reach the end game and, and you know, Majora, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, he, he straight up asks you, you know, he tells you, let's play, let's play cops and robbers, heroes and villains. You be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I keep thinking that sort of what this game is suggesting is that the natural order of things requires Termina to be destroyed and your, your intervention while, you know, essentially a good thing can in a certain perspective be you thumbing your nose at the gods as well. Um, You preventing the judgment that is appropriate for this place. Um, Like the Triforce is, is a rare sight in Termina. Um, You don't see it very often. You see it in that first vision. And like the one other place that I can think of is on Kremia's belt. She's got a little Triforce logo, which but that's it. I mean, there might be a couple of other places that I'm not thinking of. And if there are, they are very significant because this is, this is a godless place. Um, like all of their traditions are sort of warped. Um, and, um, like when you talk to the grandmother about, you know, the lore about the giants and stuff, the suggestion is that, you know, people, revered the giants as gods inappropriately. Hmm. Um, the giants are supposed to be protectors. They, they have a very important role, sure, but, but they're not on level with, you know, Din, Nairu, Furor, the three goddesses who make the Triforce. Um, so, you know, all of these masks, all of these celebrations, on one hand, they are harmless, but they've been turned to a purpose that is harmful. They have... They, the people of Termina have become proud in their disguises. Um, they have forgotten their sort of religious responsibility. They've forgotten proper humility. Um, and as a result, they may deserve to be destroyed. This may be the appropriate punishment. But then, you know, you save them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting way to take... Um, what's what's wrong with Termina, you know, down to its sort of essential, um, basic, you know, good versus evil, um, which which is like otherwise not that easy to find in the game, um, but but that it's somehow still there, after all, um, deeply buried in that way is is really interesting. Um, I, I I'm looking forward to. Um, tackling the moon and uh, getting to finally hear from the skull kid um, what's he what he's been up to mm-hmm. um, but I will as I try to decide whether to, to go after all the different masks I will make a point to search out some more triforce iconography if any uh, in this in this game um, well all right the 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 babble will have to stop for now. <laughs> we'll be we'll be picking it up one more time at least. Uh, I don't know if we'll cover everything next time, but um, we'll do our best uh, through, through the moon and um, 
remaining masks and just sort of loose ends. Mm -hmm. um, thanks again, Ben, for uh, for jumping in here. This has been really interesting. I'll, yep. try, to, I'll try to send you um, uh, a, uh, a message before we start next time to, to kind of like plan out a little bit, maybe what we go through, what we have time to go through. Sure. All right. But uh, yeah, so happy hunting. Very good. All right. Take it easy. Yep.